the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Today we have a very special episode for you in partnership with Microsoft IoT. We're going to be talking a little bit about what's been going on in the world of the Internet of Things, or IoT as it's commonly known in the tech world. So two special guests today, Shemaine Bonham from Microsoft and Jordan Templeton from the Aware Group. Um, Shemaine, maybe uh, we can start with you, a little uh, intro on where you fit into this big wide world of technology in New Zealand. Thanks, Paul. Um, so uh, as you said, I, I work at Microsoft New Zealand. I'm a cloud solution architect for data, AI, IoT. My day-to-day role is um, helping a lot of our customers with the implementation of various projects in that space. Great. And Jordan. Hi. Yeah. Um, so my name's Jordan Templeton. I'm the CTO at Aware Group, and uh, we've been around for three years now. My specific role in the company is around evangelizing what we do. Um, but, you know, and when we talk about artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things, there's a lot of misconceptions in the industry. And so a lot of that is clearing that up and also helping people to understand how to use these technologies in more of an ethical kind of way. Great. That's good. Well, I think I mean we're we're really delving into quite a quite a fascinating area. I think you know, a lot of people will will hear the terms of um, yeah, Internet of Things, IoT, you know, artificial intelligence, and connecting up the dots from hearing the the buzzwords to what's practical, what's actually going on in New Zealand uh, at a given time, uh, what all this stuff means. You know, often often that's not not quite so clear, uh, and and. So Certainly, you know, understanding well how and how hard is it to, you know, actually utilise these these technologies. So hopefully we can, uh, you know, cut through and uh, and learn a bit about that today. Um, so maybe to start with, um, Shemaine, you could give us sort of your uh, view of you know how you summarise uh, Internet of Things for people. I'll give it a try. <laughs> uh, so we, we see the Internet of Things as um, interrelated uh, devices, services and software um, pushing data information uh, across a secure network and uh, relaying back to, to insights for the end user. So connecting up all sorts of things anywhere, basically, and for good, good outcomes, basically. Yeah, very much so. I think, Jordan, would you agree with that? I would. Um, I think I would also add that, you know, it's not new to connect things to the internet. No. But I think we're at a point now where technology has got uh, plenty of compute, plenty of like, good internet connections now, plenty of connectivity, and also the ability to actually run, you know, machine learning or artificial intelligence on live streams of data now. So it becomes a bit more useful. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, as you say, I mean, we've we've been connecting things to the internet for a long time. I, I guess the, the this term has come about as we move into a time of really explosive growth. Uh, you know, there's been lots of numbers bandied around around you know how many devices will be connected to the the internet. I, I mean, I don't know how anyone can possibly actually uh, you know me- measure that. But I, I remember one of the uh, slides that uh, you know I've I've shared at a number of um, you know, keynotes around sort of growth of IoT was, look, we're going to hit 50 billion devices on 
you know X Y Z date or something. We, I mean, we're probably well well past um, um, a lot of the predicted numbers because there's uh, there's just so many gadgets and and things everywhere and and they're appearing kind of everywhere you look. Whether it's um, you know gadgets that you're adding to your house, whether it's yeah, cars, what's happening on the street, and then if you know, of course, what organisations and have uh, been around New Zealand. We've got um, you know farms where uh, you know farmers are really you know connecting them up and you know sensors mm-hmm. to check the health of their animals or, or cameras to see uh, you know to see what's happening in a, in a you know I guess a technologically run uh, farm and so on. And you know every manufacturing process has you know heaps of uh, technology as 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 part of it, certainly most cases anyway mm. so it's, um, I think one of those other numbers they throw around quite a lot is like you'll be generating zettabytes of data it's not a, that's not a term we hear much right now mm-hmm. no, but like do we even have that much storage in the world I don't know it's it's kind of nuts, isn't it? The growth of of technology. When you actually stop and and look back, and I was talking um, to my son this week, and yeah, he was um, you know telling me I would need the new iPad and this and that and so on. And, you know, I was trying to explain to them the the amount of um, you know, computing power uh, that the Mac I used when I was uh, well going back to. Uh, I know nearly 30 years ago I was trying to explain you know the amount of power that the the Mac Plus had and uh, you know for me at the time it was just you know this phenomenal piece of technology uh, you know which which it was for for its time uh, but I think you know it came with um, you know with one meg of RAM and you know and and so I'm trying to tell him that look son you know your 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 little iPad there has more than you know a thousand times as, as much you know memory uh, as what mine did, and you know my uh, my Mac, which you know was a full blown computer that you know people were you know using to publish magazines and you know do what you did with the technology of the day with its little nine inch black and white screen. You know, had a smaller screen than uh, than than what his iPad did, and look. So um, there was no colour, you know. Your Mac back then couldn't play Minecraft, though. So. Play, it played some pretty good games, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, it didn't play Minecraft. Um, and and yeah, I guess uh, yeah, some some of the new games have got uh, somewhat more addictive than what uh, what our games were back then. Um, but oh, your games are retro now. Yeah, People still like yeah, to play retro. Dark. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, when you look back, and and I guess if we then flip that around and mirror it to sort of looking forward over the next 30 years I guess that's you know that's part of what we're looking at here is that you know there will be you know an exponential growth and and you know a lot of areas of of computing and part of it will be the number of devices and what also plays into that is this lowering cost right so being able to you know back back then you know, I was telling well we weren't connected to the internet we didn't actually you know we didn't have that option um, at, at home so yeah, as the cost of the devices comes down, the cost of connecting and being able to connect any device anywhere uh, to the internet using one mechanism or another, and you know, of course, in New Zealand we're we're in a you know reasonably good position from that connectivity uh, perspective. And then with the nature of the cloud, which um, you know certainly Microsoft plays you know plays a, a, a really you know important role in for um, you know many many New Zealand organisations in terms of um, you know utilising um, Azure and Office three six five and um, 
uh, power apps and things like that. Um, it's it's you know it's it's becoming pretty interesting. You know what can be done and the fact that it's it's not always a, a big investment to get on board with uh, um, with these technologies. Yeah, definitely. I've I've been taking Jordan and and Andy's team out to visit uh, different businesses of different sizes, and we we tackle the any different scenarios that they might have with some uh, with different tools and technologies on Azure, but also different devices. And always at the end of those, at the, at the end of it, they say they couldn't believe how quickly they were able to get it up and running, how how easy it was to understand, and uh, and how low the cost was and, and device management as well. Just uh, getting a full view across the spectrum of how it all connects together and how it can how it can be generated to more ideas and, and different projects that they that they might have in mind for the future. Yeah, yeah. I guess that, you know one of the challenges is that probably um, yeah too many ideas. So then you've mm. got to work out well you know yes. where's the uh, where's the the best use of uh, of time and and resources in terms of uh, you know jump, jumping on board with these things. Yeah, it gets a lot of people excited. That's yeah. For sure. Yeah. So, um, Shemaine, from your your perspective, in terms of when you when you look ac- you know across the the New Zealand market, where are you seeing the most interest in uh, Internet of Things? Where does that sort of is it any particular area? Um, in terms of uh, in terms of industry, I usually see it across uh, government, so local um, safety government, and also healthcare as well. Um, as an example for local government with councils, they want to make uh, safer intersections. So they, they put uh, cam- uh, different uh, camera IoT devices across the, across the intersection just to monitor who's well, who's doing what they shouldn't be doing. Um, and oh also, dear, and also, I might have been caught on one or two of those. <laughs> and then uh, it's also looking at um, uh, management of, of, that, of that intersection as well um, so that they know exactly what's, what's wrong and that they, they can send the right people out there to go fix, fix the issues. Um, with hospitals, it, it, it looks at um, smart, smart beds. So that could be looking at uh, which which hospital beds are available and where and when um, and that sort of thing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I guess there's um, yeah there really are lot lots and lots of uh, op- opportunities, uh, but yeah often it's going to be it's going to be driven first up where where it can be the dots can be easily joined between you know maybe a, a smaller technology investment that either solves um, you know an existing obvious issue or frustration or uh, is going to have a you know really strong impact in terms of you know, cost savings and, and, and benefits. Yeah, very yeah. much so for the construction and manufacturing industry as well where they want to automate uh, repetitive tasks or tasks that are quite manual that require a lot of spreadsheeting. Uh, as an example for uh, uh, construction company that shall not be named, <laughs> they, they put... Um, Sensors uh, across the construction site to be able to monitor degrees of tilt if there was uh, to make sure that the site is still secure as well, um, and they can uh, measure get that data back to the cloud in near real time or well whenever they want it uh, plugged in. Um, and the other one is uh, having a safer construction site as well. So if someone uh, was walking under uh, some <laughs> 
perilous uh, object, um, they would get alerted that they shouldn't actually be walking in that area. They might get a buzz so that they can avoid that area as well. Yeah. Send an electric shock to them? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. So uh, certain, certainly, uh, certainly, lot, lots of lots of possibilities. Mm. And uh, yeah, I mean, when we when we look at uh, New Zealand as, as a country, and I mean, I'm sure this is sort of common around the world. We we you know are increasingly looking at health and safety and how to make you know, environments you know better off. So mm. yeah, where technology can come into play and and help with that has to be um, has to be a good thing. I, you know, I guess when I look at some some parts, uh, you know, some parts of the world you travel to, you certainly see that their health and safety sort of you know standards are on different levels. But I guess in, you know in all cases there's probably uh, there's probably ways in which the technology can help based on whether at and where they're trying to uh, where they're trying to get to and um, what the regulations say. Yeah, definitely. Even if it's something as simple as are they wearing their hard hat? Mm. That's a very common one that that the Dat, Dat Jordan and team often demo. As yeah, well. That's yeah. A fun one. And some of these things are. Yeah, they're, they're, they can be a real challenge because the regulations don't necessarily sort of fit in with how people work, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, every organisation wants to look after um, the people um, and and they want to, com- you know, comply on, on, on legal matters. But, uh, you know, I've come across, uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm sure, you know, you have too, you know, varying situations. I mean, the hard hat example where, mm. you know, somebody's working, they don't want to have their hard hat or they don't want to have their high-vis vest on because it's a really hot day or, you know, whatever those extra things are. And um, you have to try and find that, that balance that makes things safe but, um, mm. you know, also um, leaves people complying appropriately. I, yeah, I'm sure... Um, Maybe technology can can help there as well in terms of weighing up the scenarios of where you where you must do a certain thing from a safety perspective. Um, yeah. So, um, Jordan, I'm I'm keen to um, hear a little bit about some of the projects you've been working on. Uh, you've been you know, pretty busy, I think, in the in the um, yeah, last three years with with a wear group. Lots going on. You've been um, you know off around around the world, um, you know, and particularly around sort of I think the Asia Pacific region. Um, you know, talking about some of the things you've been doing, and you know, working with clients in, in different places. I think uh, you just got off the plane yesterday. You were in uh, where was it? Oh, we were in Japan. Uh, we were there with Microsoft at the CTEC 2019 event. Right, talking all about IoT. Yeah, yeah, and you've regularly been uh, up in Seattle as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So certainly lots of lots of activity going on. Uh, you must be doing some interesting stuff. So you know, um, you know, what what can you share? Okay, sounds good. So uh, I guess from an industry perspective, in New Zealand, we're seeing quite a few trends. Um, like Shemaine was saying, around like public safety, public sector, we're seeing a lot in smart city as well, and that kind of ties in pretty closely. But the other one we're seeing quite big is. Um, around agriculture, mm. agri-tech. Yeah. And so, you know, given that some analysts believe that by 2050 the population will double, the amount of food production required to sustain that is going to be massive. Global yeah. global population. Yeah, global, yeah. yeah, global population. Mm. And the thing is, we can't just double the amount of land we need for farms. That's not going to be enough. So we need to be using our farms more sustainably, but also uh, more effectively. So IoT 
plus or infinite of things plus artificial intelligence together will actually get us to that point um how does how does that how would that happen how would that happen good question so um in new zealand we talk about the quality of water quite a lot and often people um, have these misconceptions of, of what the actual cause of that is one of the potential causes of that um, is runoff from fertilizer into the waterways and one of the potential ways that happens um, is fertilizer is put on soil, um, then the soil is watered, and then it rains. Or that soil is actually on a hill and then you know, it kind of runs down into the waterways. So using IoT, we can measure soil moisture um, across a field. And then using artificial intelligence, we can bring in other data sources as well. So we could look at things like the weather and we could say, you know what, how about you just apply the fertilizer today? Don't worry about, um, you know, watering the field. We'll let the rain take care of that. If the rain doesn't have enough, you know, uh, moisture in the ground at that point, then we can add some water. And so that's just one small example of how, you know, we can make it a little bit, we can change our decision making just a little bit, um, but, you know, have a, quite a big impact on the waterway. Mm. I guess there's a level to which farmers sort of, you know, would, would do that themselves. Mm. Um, but if you apply the technology and, and, and assist, and I guess that, you know, that's often where we talk about, you know, AI being sort of assistive technology. It doesn't, exactly. you know, it doesn't replace, it doesn't the, replace farmer, the people. Um, but it, it, it's very helpful. You're right. And I think yeah. the, the biggest benefit to all of this isn't, um, it's not new, right? The farmers are already doing that. Mm. What the combination of these technologies gives us is the scale you know yeah they have a lot of farm a lot of land to deal yeah, with yeah you know how can we look at all of it at the same time and help them to boil it down to specifically these are the things that you know will help right and you could uh, you know i guess in that sort of case you could map out and and work out the priorities you know today if you're going to put fertilizer out do it on these parts of the you know yeah of the of the farm and you know actually map out a bit of a schedule that's that's been done without a farmer sitting there sort of you know having to try and figure it all out um that's right you know on on his or her own um yeah that's that's really helpful so we're also trying to look at uh the quality of soil Mm -hmm. and and you know how to improve that and so you've got sensors both in the ground but even things like satellites you know we can use that to even look inside the ground and see what is the composition? That sounds and a bit science fiction. I, oh, it you know, totally I'm, is. I'm a farmer, and I'm going <laughs> to fire up. I'm going to fire up my own satellite, and you know, uh, to to have a look. But of course, you know, there are there, this. You know, satellites are out there that yeah, can you know can totally. be can be utilised, and um, and it's actually know. becoming a lot more cost effective as well. What are the what are the sensors available at the moment in terms of what sort of things can you know can go you know can be uh, monitored. The traditional way of, of, uh, of getting these readings is you go and take a soil sample and send it off to get tested. And largely, for, for full soil composition, that still needs to be done. Right. Um, the, the types of sensors that we have today, you've got the standard you know, temperature, uh, moisture levels, but we're starting to see a lot more things like nitrates and, and phosphates and other types of chemicals um, as well. But we can't get a full composition yet. Right, right. So that that could be a project for somebody in New Zealand to be working on. Totally. I'm sure it's, with, I'm sure coming it's up already with those happened. new sensors. Um, there's a couple of universities um, that have been bringing out new types of sensors recently, mm. not just for soil but also for water. Yep. Um, I think they brought the cost down from like twelve thousand dollars to you know a couple of hundred bucks per sensor for that specific use case. And so, you know, these developments are happening in New Zealand right now. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. 
So these, yeah, these are the sort of those exponential improvements, and and you know, and the cost reductions. that sort of you know the tech gets better, and the cost just keeps coming down. And so yeah, what what was once science fiction just becomes something that actually you can get out there and start using. Exactly. Um, there's actually a a bunch of pre-configured templates, I guess you could say, that Microsoft have built. They're called solution accelerators, and they've been very targeted to specific industries. So you've got things like um, connected factory for manufacturing, remote monitoring for looking at um, remote monitoring anything, really. Mm. Um, but there's also a new template coming out called Farm Beats, which is specifically targeted towards agriculture. Um, a Aware Group are working with Microsoft to do a deployment, the first deployment of Farm Beats in New Zealand in the next six weeks. So that's going to be... Uh, quite a public deployment um, the data will be available to researchers and, and companies all over New Zealand What sort of things would you imagine that that will, that that will cover, how, how might that be used So there's a lot of uh, potential in the platform um, we're going to start off just with simple sensor monitoring, so proving out you know, that we can deploy sensors from multiple different vendors, have that all come back to one place in Azure and then run some machine learning on top of that, so we want to do things like Okay, take, for example, if you wanted to get the soil moisture in a field, um, if you wanted accurate readings across an entire field, you would need sensors, you know, every meter squared or something like that. Right, yeah, which now, would be pretty impractical, I imagine. Very impractical. <laughs> I mean... And, and expensive. And, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. So you've got, you know, potentially hundreds of thousands of sensors deployed. All of them have batteries. Um, so three years later, you've got to go and change them all. That's not going to be fun. But you've got animals potentially in there, which could dig them up. Um, you've got machinery, which can break them. So it's quite risky and it's expensive. So what we're saying is, you know, if you deploy less sensors, can you use machine learning then to infer the spread of moisture between those two points? And that's one of the things that uh, FarmBeats has built into it, is a couple of, you know, pre-built models or machine learning models that can, can do that. Um, there's some other cool stuff like drones and, and satellites that plug in as well, but we're going to focus on the sensors first. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So um, talking talking satellites, um, what what is available, you know, gen- generally out there? Um, yeah, what are, yeah, I don't know which of you is best to answer this, but, um, yeah, what, what's, what's available in terms of, you know, satellite data that can be... Um, you know, can be easily plugged into by New Zealand organisations, and and you know, yeah, what can you what can you draw on from that perspective? Um, you know, is any organisation or is, is there stuff that a farmer can sort of hook into at the moment? So there are some New Zealand companies selling services based off off satellite feeds. Yeah, okay. Um, around measuring uh, dry matter on the fields. However, in general, what the satellites can provide right now, you've got standard imaging, so just photos, uh, but you can get pretty close to the ground. Um, You can also measure weather, and also we're now seeing new types like hyperspectral imaging and other things as well. So actually being able to see, you know, further into the ground. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? We're still trying to figure out what the uses of that are for, Mm. you know, what we can use that data for, but... Um, yeah, the potentials are huge. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure as that technology becomes available, the you know the Kiwi ingenuity, creativity sort of kicks in in terms of working out how to how to utilise these things to uh, to to make things work better, which yeah. is, is 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 good. Um, 
Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's been curious as as putting things up in space obviously becomes a bit more accessible. Uh, you know what Rocket Lab are doing. That you know they just did a launch again uh, yesterday, uh, and and that you know that general cost of putting satellites um, up sort of comes down. I guess we will. You know, we'll see more access to things that we could uh, we could tap into. That look, if that uh, um, you know helps run our farms better, that's got to be uh, got to be a good thing. You know, I know we've heard heard a bit around that. You know, the demise of um, um, you know traditional meat, and we're all going to be moving to uh, uh, sort of you know s- synthetic type uh, um, you know meat in future because it's 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 better for the environment but you know I'm, I'm pretty keen that we work out how to how to run our farms like an even balance even yeah. better and get that balance <laughs> right so you know can still uh, um, you know those of us who like eating meat can still enjoy that for uh, for many years to come petri so. dish meat <laughs> <laughs> so um, but I mean it's, it's cool too right we've got you know uh, sun-fed foods here in New Zealand that are you know working away on on, on the um, you know the, what is it the chicken that's not 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 chicken um, and 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 whatnot going on so yeah that's that's pretty fascinating and I'm sure there's lots of technology that's uh, mm. um, yeah helping with that research so uh, yeah um, and yeah any what what other sort of things have you been working on um, I I mean yesterday was uh, Microsoft's uh, partner awards here uh, in New Zealand in Auckland and. Uh, a weird group came away with uh, with a bit of a win. Tell us we what we did. What uh, I mean, c- congratulations. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about what uh, uh, what that was for, because it was for a, a specific uh, project, wasn't it? Sure. Yeah. So we were really grateful um, as a weird group to be a recipient for the Azure Innovation Award, uh, which is good. You know, we try to be an innovative uh, company. That's kind of our brand. But specifically, what that project was about. Um, we mentioned earlier about compliance and compliance I feel like is one of the really easy scenarios to target with with, um, the Internet of Things. So we worked with the Port of Otago um, down in the South Island and for a port, you know, they've got a lot of machinery moving around, they've got a lot of containers moving around and uh, with all of that activity going on, there's a lot of noise being generated. And so with regional councils, they have these regulations around, you know, how much noise you can be producing. And if you go over those limits, um, there are remediation activities that you have to, you have to do. And so, so there's, a, there's, there's an impact on the, you know, on the business. And I guess there's, there's an impact on your neighbors and all sorts of things, right, from the noise. So That's right. Yeah, you want to manage that well. That's right. And so what, what they had done uh, previously was they deployed a bunch of uh, noise monitors that was actually recording and, and measuring noise levels. And over that certain decibel limit, it would set off a trigger and, and produce a recording. Uh, then what ended up happening was that people actually had to listen to those recordings and say, you know, was the source of that noise generated by us, like inside our facility, or was it outside and not our fault? Right, because that determines who has to do the remediation work. Yeah. Um, Now that required a lot of work, uh, a lot of people spending time listening to these recordings, and as you can imagine, it's not the most fun thing to have to do all the time. No, I'm just sort of looking around the room and thinking, 
Is there anybody here that might enjoy sitting and listening <laughs> to recordings all day and trying to work out whether that noise came from inside or outside a particular area? Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, there, there probably is somebody who's wired that way that they would, you know, really enjoy the challenge. But there's a technological solution here. I well, there is. It. But just one more thing on that is often that when these regulations come up, people are asked to do these things in their role, but it wasn't in the original description, you know, so they're not really it can be demotivating over time if you have to do this all the time. So what we were able to do was we could we could take these recordings um, and the good news is that they already had a lot pre-classified. They'd already labeled them, mm. you know, mm. what the source of that noise was, which is perfect for machine learning. You know, mm. we were able mm. to take those recordings and actually train a machine learning model to say, yep. was it inside or outside? Mm. What was the source mm. of that noise? Mm. Mm. Um, we did a bunch of work developed a couple of different techniques for actually analyzing that sound mm. um, and we came up with a very accurate um, very accurate model mm. I believe it was um, 93% or greater accuracy in terms of identifying that noise yep. and even if we're like wrong 7% of the time you know that's a lot less work that a person has to do listening to those recordings yeah yeah oh that's really cool that's good um, Tremaine, I don't know. Were you across some of the other uh, some of the other entries? Have you seen? You know, seen? There, was there a lot of um, you know interesting sort of I, IoT um, you know projects that that you know you're seeing from that broader um, Microsoft perspective that you've been seeing recently? Uh, yeah, there, there have been a few. We did get a, a number of interesting entries. Of course, uh, Jordan and team from Aware Group, they had the, the, the most innovative one, which, of course, was why they got the award. <laughs> um, but one one that was uh, p- particularly outstanding, um, they, 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 they weren't in the entry for the award, um, was was a project done by a business called Asbuilt, um, uh, not not too long ago, and they did this piece of work with uh, Auckland District Health Board. Yeah, and they implemented a technology called Digital Twin, which is really quite new right now, um, and it's gaining a lot of popularity. So, I suppose to describe a, a digital twin from a very high level, it's creating a three D uh, replica of your asset of your environment, and uh, having having all the information about that environment. Um, in your computer is something that you could walk through as a virtual space. It's a bit of a virtual reality piece. Right. So what they did for um, Auckland District Health Board is that they had 75,000 square metres of, which is a $200 million asset, and they knew nothing about it. They didn't know where the fire exits were. Um, they they didn't know where the where the piping was, whether they could drill through a wall and not hit something important. Um, so they had a massive compliance issue again with with compliance, and they wanted to know what they could do in that space to to help rectify that issue. And what's interesting with New Zealand is that anything that is over ten years old, a building doesn't have any digital records. So Auckland District Health Boards is. 15 years old and there are about three buildings on that campus right so what what um what Asbuilt did is they went across the property over three months um, doing scanning with uh, drone aerial photography and, and they created a geometric model of that, creating millions and millions of data points, um, inferring that structure externally, internally, and they um, took out all the PCI, PII information that would have 
uh, that may come through someone walking through the corridors with that camera. Oh, right. Well, so you, they... ta- you ta- take take away that imagery of yes. um, patients and yeah, and other you and probably don't don't want to be storing and and rooms yeah. that may have not been cleaned after certain ops. I guess right <laughs> for right. sure. Yeah. Um, so it became a very clean model afterwards, very much digitized, um, almost cartoonish. Um, so what that meant after after that uh, three month project was that they now understood um, all aspects of their of, of that asset. They they knew the the size of all the rooms, where all the piping was. Uh, they understood uh, the the age and what main the age of certain uh, devices and when they need to maintain them. So if they need a technician to come down, they know exactly where to go in the hospital, and they can take a look and what tools they might need to to do it as well. So it was a it's a really unique piece. Um, yeah. So who in, who ends up using that digital twin? Who's whose hands is that uh, <laughs> uh, in, as it were, or whose whose screen is that uh, that 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 seen on? Uh, I didn't I didn't ask as built who who they handed it over to, but I I assume it's uh, with the it would be with facilities obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, and the any ground managers as well. At this, at this point, um, yeah, I guess there would be so many mm. scenarios where where things you know things mm. come up, whether it's they want to make a you know a change to the infrastructure or whether it's repairing or or just you know un- understanding what they've got for particular um, yeah health and safety regulations and and, and yeah. other audit type purposes. What was uh, really fun um, when I was going through the the demo of it is um, you could actually click and walk through it a little bit like a Google a Google Street Map, right. so which is really fun. And uh, if you came up uh, against a an asset or a computer, you can actually a pop up will be there like saying PDF or Word doc or an icon saying oh more information. You could click that and read a little bit more about it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it was really quite fun and useful. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, Jordan, um, you mentioned before we started around a um, project to do with a solar farm in Thailand. Yes. I'm, I'm very curious about uh, about this. What, what was that all about? Yeah, so we've been really lucky uh, to work with Microsoft across Asia Pacific. And one of those customers was, uh, I can't give the name, but um, they own a number of solar farms around the region. And the first one that we're working with was in Thailand. And the awesome thing they wanted to do was just connect it to the internet and start extracting some data. Pretty simple scenario. Mm. Pretty much the definition of IoT. You know, connect it, connect the thing, and, and start seeing what it's doing. Right. So before that, it was it was pretty much a, a off, offline in terms of yeah. It was more it, traditional. Um, you know, like a data logger. So yeah. someone would have to go and collect the telemetry and bring it back. Right, right. Very manual. Uh, we're kind of automating that now and making it much easier to scale across all of the solar farms. Right. So you go from all this probably out-of-date information because it's not being collected mm-hmm. real-time um, and, and you know, very time-consuming to collect that data to a point where suddenly you've got live data from all these different locations just being being fed, you know, straight into a database in the cloud sort of thing. That's right. And, you know, it starts off just doing data collection, but then we move on, um, you know, once we have that data, we can do things like predicting, you know, when the inverter might fail or predicting what's the best angle to have the panels on based on the weather and the sun. Yeah, that'd be pretty important, wouldn't it, to get maximum, maximum efficiency. efficiency. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So... 
IoT really starts you off collecting this information, but then that data can be used for so many more things. Yeah, I mean, I can I can imagine if you if you get these pieces right and you you know um, utilize you know, whether it's artificial intelligence or or you know just more more simpler uh, processes to sort of figure out how you can improve that efficiency. Yeah. You know, even even a small improvement uh, in efficiency with a solar farm would mm-hmm. make a, a, a huge degree of different you know that's right difference in terms of um, you know the, the the return on the asset I'm sure yeah no that's that's cool um, are there any other um, any other particular sort of use cases either you'd like to mention around that maybe New Zealand specific that might be um, of interest or other ones ar- around the world that um, our listeners might find uh, find curious? Oh man, there's so many scenarios. <laughs> yeah, it's like what to what to pick out. <laughs> um, I guess one that I can mention is around a product that we're currently building. It's called ACP, and it's essentially an IoT plus. AI, so plus artificial intelligence product. Um, what it allows you to do is to take you know, existing cameras that you may have deployed and turn those into sensors. You know, traditionally, like CCTV cameras are used for security. And often people have them recording for three months and they have to throw the footage away just because the storage cost is too high. Sure, yeah. And so what we're saying is you can keep doing that. You can throw away the, the video after. But before you do that, we want to run some machine learning over the top of those cameras. So we can tell you things like, you know, how many people were in that space? Where did they go? Um, we don't have to identify who they are, you know, for privacy reasons. But for a, a city, for example, to understand the usage of a park, oh, do we have people using it? Uh, what are the peak times? Uh, when should we be doing maintenance? That kind of thing. Um, similarly, you can use that same information, that same, you know, system for doing health and safety in a factory. So Shemaine talked about hard hat detection. You know, we're doing that for real in factories. Um, or like we've seen customers using that. Mm. Um, also, you know, hivers and, and other PP or protective equipment um, detection. We've got scenarios like uh, also health and safety in buildings around detecting that there are too many people in this room for fire safety. And then you can go down to whole other levels, like in a city, understanding the types of traffic. So buses versus cars versus vans versus commercial versus non-commercial mm. and mm. you know you can get really specific with all these types of things and that's got to have a, a huge impact i mean i look around anywhere anywhere where i travel but you know i see auckland the most and there's always a lot of road works going on mm. there are a lot of changes to streets we're seeing uh you know a move to to make the, you know, the streets better for uh, for those that aren't aren't in cars, but it's always a bit of a balancing act in terms of those changes. So I'm, I'm sure the better we get at being able to uh, use technology to you know figure out what an environment might be, you know, post a change because there's, you know, huge amounts of money goes into making those changes, and sometimes the results um, you know, don't come up as well as as what might have been uh, guessed. Often it takes a long time to make those changes, right? And yeah. By the time we yeah. get there. We need to make more changes. Yeah. So, you know, you're seeing cities now putting sensors out in the roads even mm. to actually measure this type of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's all about helping us make better decisions. That's good. Um, 
Jermaine, anything uh, anything else you'd like to uh, like to add before we drill in? I want to hear a little bit about this. Uh, we've got an upcoming event taking place um, here in Auckland, so I want to share details about that for uh, for those who are who might be interested. Let's jump into the event. Yeah, yeah. So um, the event is called IoT in Action. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe give us a little little overview what uh, what it's what it's all about, and um, you know who uh, who should be attending. Mm-hmm. Oh, anyone can attend. Really, anyone who's interested to to understand a little bit more about what it's about. So the IoT in Action event is something that's being part of a series that's done globally um, by Microsoft where we um, engage uh, different partners like Aware Group um, and businesses uh, just to tell their stories about how they got into the IoT space and what use cases they had, um, device management lifecycle, what what you can really use IT for, um, just to give people an idea of the art of the possible and also how more easily accessible IoT is now and, and what they can do with it. Right. So, and do you get down to a practical sort of level, so mm-hmm. you can, you know, help people figure out how they can how they can get started with utilising the technology. Exactly. There, we've got a lot of um, stands showcasing what I like to call no toys, uh, the, or the drones, the, <laughs> the devices. Um, we even got a uh, Asbuilder actually bringing a three hundred and sixty. Uh, t- uh, uh, I, th- I think it's a like a tent where yeah. you can. Uh, Walk, do a walkthrough of of any of any building, like a little bit of a virtual reality experience oh, wow. as well. Oh, so it's um, there's there's a lot of fun to be had there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cool. there's uh, a lot. There are going to be some live demos as well on on stage. I know that Jordan's got one in his back pocket. That is, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. Oh yeah. cool. He's like, I have to build that. Don't sweat <laughs> it. <laughs> Well, I guess that you know one of the exciting things around around this technology is because we, uh, you know, we're leveraging off or utilising you know things that have already been, uh, you know, the hard work's been done, as it were. You know, you can tap into this thing in the cloud that, uh, you know, will do a whole lot for you and so on. Uh, you know, like you can with, I mean, you know, facial recognition, all sorts of different things that you can, uh, you know, you can do. It's um, you know it means you can actually put things together pretty quickly, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's it's all about these building blocks. You just mm-hmm. plug them in. Um, now, when when is the event? Uh, it's on November fifth. Actually, okay. yep. So we yeah we we're uh, we're coming up on that uh, pretty quickly. Now I hear um, that the the registrations have been filling up pretty uh, pretty quickly. So people yes. should sort of you know <laughs> jump in if they are keen to attend. And how much does it cost to uh, to attend? Uh, it's uh, free to attend. Okay. Um, just takes the only thing it costs is your time, of course. Right. But yeah. it's at the yeah. Hilton, so it's a nice venue to be at anyway. Yeah. Cool. Because really, Microsoft has sort of changed, I guess, on the event front from where they were in the past with the Tech Ed and Ignite events that were, mm. I don't know, typically, you know, at least a couple of thousand dollars to attend and it was a big sort of, you know, take a week out of your, you know, out of your work um, I miss, I miss away. And yeah, I mean, they were always really, uh, really fun events, but we've sort of, I guess what I've noticed is there's a move to these sort of smaller events that have a particular focus. Yeah. It might be a, you know, half a day or a day event or a two day, you know, type thing, but there are these smaller events and quite a lot of the content 
content is is free. So mm. um, that kind of makes it a little bit easier to uh, to actually you know jump in, get what you want, and um, and yeah, it, you don't have to take a week out to, uh, to to do it. And I think part of that also is it ends, ends up probably being different audiences that get to uh, you know get to attend, whereas you know Tech Ed was probably a um, you know quite a sort of yeah specific group of group of people, whereas this is a sort of thing. As you say, anyone could attend, right? It, it could be, um, yeah, CEO of a large business that just wants wants to be inspired and get a picture on what's possible. Um, you know, to then take back and, and and share with their teams could be somebody technical or you know people in, in varying you know places. Um, so, yeah, yeah, open to a, a whole range. Yeah. Last I heard, for New Zealand, we've got six hundred uh, registered already. So it's filling up fast. Yeah. I thought it was 677. Well, if that's oh, even there more. We, there we go. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's coming, coming along well. So what's the, uh, what's, the, what's the capacity there, do you know? I don't know. You need to do a health and safety check on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should, we should actually run our check on there. Cool. I yeah. don't know. Um, now, for those that, uh, that are listening, and may, you know, maybe they can't um, uh, make the event or they, they, they are keen to come along, but... One of the you know questions sometimes here is, hey, all this Internet of Things stuff, yeah, sounds really cool, but how do you how do you actually get started? How do you get you know get started with with you know dabbling with the technology and and so on? What uh, what recommendations uh, can you share? The first one I've got is Microsoft actually have a really good resource called the IoT School, and it's got everything from beginner right through to more, more advanced scenarios. But, you know, it takes you right through the fundamentals of actually putting together a solution, deploying it into the cloud, seeing it all work together, mm. um, and then the business application to that. Mm. And and I guess, I mean, Microsoft aren't the, you know, the only game in town when it comes to this stuff. So mm. if organizations are already working with, uh, you know, AWS or, you know, other, other technologies, does it still make sense to be looking at where Microsoft fits in? Or is it best to be, you know, focused on, on you know, one lot of, te- you know, one technology stack versus uh, another or one cloud versus another? I think there are pretty good benefits to, you know, the different providers. Yep. Um, I know for sure that Microsoft has some pretty good content. Um, if you are interested in more uh, general IoT kind of knowledge, there's actually a great IoT meetup here in Auckland. Um, I would recommend for sure go and visit that. Yeah. Okay. How do you track down? How do you track that down? Yep. If you go to meetup.com and search for the Auckland IoT meetup, yeah, you should Easy be able to find it. Okay. Excellent, excellent. Okay, um, well, I think I think that's us. Um, for anyone that wants to find out about the event, we will put a link up, um, nztechpodcast.com slash IoT in action, and that'll forward you on to the information about the event. So, uh, yeah, thank, thanks, uh, Shemaine and Jordan. Thanks for having uh, us. Thank you. Good stuff. Cheers. Special thank you to HP, to Sumo Logic, Vocus, Vodafone, and to Spark New Zealand. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.